Failure and discomfort are simply necessary steps that lead us closer to who we are destined to become. Never confuse your value with your grace. You're listening to the Vibrant Leadership Podcast with leadership speaker and consultant, Nicole Greer. Welcome to the Vibrant Leadership Podcast. My name is Nicole Greer and I am the Vibrant Coach. And today I have with me none other than Leah J.M. Dean. She is the author of a best-selling book. You want to write this down, everybody. Assemble the Tribe and an expert at leading with a tribe mindset. So we're going to talk about that today for sure. And she is a former HR executive with over 20 years of experience. She has successfully led multiple people, integrations, and developed leading HR strategies. Now, today, she is the CEO and founder of Conduit International Limited. And when we say international, we mean it because she's in Bermuda, people. Uh, You'll be able to look outside her window here in just a minute. And Leah works with organizations and executives across numerous industries. Leah is also the founder of Design for Impact, which brings together hundreds of women and girls for professional and personal development. And she is on a mission, people, to create a more connected world. Leah uses science in her proprietary group research with over 1,200 women to help her audiences define their tribes and confidently navigate life and leadership with authenticity, courage, and heart. And this is Ms. Leah Dean. How are you? Are you good? I am great. I am really excited to be here. It's a beautiful day. And so what better way to spend it than talking to you on your podcast today? So I'm excited to be here. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. I was just telling Leah before we got on and turned the Zoom button and said play, uh, She that uh, I got an email from uh, some travel something or other, and it said Bermuda is open for business. And so that means Leah Dean is open for business. Tell me a little bit about being in Bermuda and, and your life story there a little bit. Tell us about that. So I live in, as you just said, I live in Bermuda, but my story, my personal story is a little bit unique. Bermuda is made up of many islands. And I actually grew up on a smaller 23 acre island with my parents and my siblings. So I have experienced island life, both in the larger Bermuda context, but I grew up on a small island. I had to travel on a boat every day to go to school and then to come back home. And I actually think that's where I learned some of my more interesting lessons of um, tribe. You know, Daryl's Island was Bermuda's first airport, but when we lived there, my parents were actually the caretakers and it was an active campground. And so during the summer months, we'd have lots and lots of people. And then in the winter months, everyone would disappear. And I think sometimes our relationships are the same way as well, right? We have all of this connection and then maybe we'll move or change departments or something about our lives will shift and people will move away. And so how do we become resilient in navigating those kind of ups and downs of of relationships. So I think my tribe story kind of weaves all the way through my life. And I learned lots of lessons um, growing up on Daryl's Island with my parents and siblings. That's fantastic. Yeah. And I love the water. When I was a little girl, uh, I didn't live on an island, but I lived where there were lots of lakes. And so I was out on the water all the time, too. So we have that in common, you and I. All right. Well, we always start off with one question, Leah. And that question is, uh, tell us your definition of leadership. And as we talked about, you are the author of a book. Maybe you could tie it in uh, to how you lead your tribe. Hmm. 
Um, that's a, I love that question about what is leadership. I think it means something different to, to everyone. But for me, um, when you think about just pure definition, leadership is the act or the instance of leading. But when I read the dictionary, there's a verb definition of the word lead, which is to be a conduit or a channel for. And so I think leadership for me is actually being a conduit or a channel to release the greatness of the people that I have been given the privilege to lead. So that's what it means for me. And actually that's the foundation of the name of my business, which is Conduit International. My role is to be the conduit for greatness. And that I think is what leadership really is. Mm, I love that. I love that. So that is a beautiful uh, definition. So it is a conduit, right, to help your people develop be all that they can be. I love that. All right. So what do you think the most important skills are of a successful leader? Maybe you outline a few of those that, that, that are in your book. How do you, you got to build a tribe, it sounds like. Well, yes, we have to um, create healthy tribes. I think some of the other skill sets that maybe I don't touch on in this specific book is I think the role of a leader is to help set strategy and to connect the work of the people that we're given the privilege to lead to that strategy. I need to know why my work matters every day, right? So that's a huge skill set. The other one really ties into my work around tribe building, which is to create spaces for people to belong and experience belonging. And you can belong in a place, but still not feel the intimacy of belonging. And I think that's a big responsibility and a skill set that our leaders need to have is how do we create inclusive um, environments? And then I think the last um, skill that's really important for leaders to have is communication. And communication on so many different levels, right? It could be public public speaking or presenting, but then also communicating and having the necessary conversations that keep us from moving forward. You know, it is a skill that we can get better at if we invest the time. And so those are, those are just three of the things that I think are real important. And that middle one about inclusion and belonging that really fits into my message of tribe that I try to bring out in the book. Mm, I love that. Okay. So she said, don't miss this. And I encourage my, re, uh, my listeners uh, and my watchers, Leah, to always write things down. So I'm going to re, I'm going to re-say it for you. Uh, connect for me why my work matters every day, right? So that I don't just get bored. Uh, I don't understand why we're doing what we're doing. Yeah, clue me in. Let me know why my work matters. Um, and then those spaces of belonging. Uh, can we go there? Can we talk a little bit about how you create a space of belonging? Because I think people need some help. How do we do that exactly? So I think you've given me a segue. I just, I have to take it. You, you're taking me to my, oh, oh. you're taking me to my formula, which is my formula for how we build tribes. And so um, there are three parts to the formula, which is to believe, belong, and be different. We're talking about how do we create spaces for people to belong and experience belonging. And the first step, I think, in terms of creating healthy relationships is to first believe that we matter. You know, if I walk into a room and I spend the entire time worrying about what other people are going to say about me or if they are going to value me, then it's almost impossible for me. It is impossible for me to show up as my best self. So the first step in terms of building healthy relationships is actually to invest in yourself, to understand who you are and understand what you're bringing to the table. So that's part one. And interestingly, value is utility. It's important. It's worth and belief 
by definition, is a habit of the mind in which you build trust and confidence in a person or a thing. And so that means every day I have to believe that I matter in order for me to then contribute. So then once I've done the self-work, I have to find these places to belong and experience belonging. And in the book, one of the messages that I try to bring out is that we are created to connect. We do need to find places to thrive. If we don't find healthy places to thrive, it actually shortens our lifespan and makes us more susceptible to certain types of diseases. And so the things that help us to create those healthy places are things like communicating. It's shifting your mindset about the value that people, the intrinsic value that people have. And that's why, you know, when people say to me, well, Leah, why did you write this book? Why didn't you write Assemble the Tribe at Work? Is because if we can't fundamentally rethink how we're valuing each other, it's almost impossible to come together and have these healthy relationships. So belong is just, I'm choosing places to be a part of. Belonging is I'm putting in the time, the effort and the emotion to do the work to keep the place healthy. Which is why I said one of those core skills is being able to create those inclusive environments. Like I see you, I, I just released a blog today about four conversations we should be having. And one of the conversations is I see you, right? And then the last part of the formula be different. You know, a lot of times what happens is we do the self-work, we put in some effort, we find these places where we feel connected and most of us stay here. And there's a, there's a word for that. It's called a click, right? When you stay there, you're just staying with your people, your group. And, and most people tend, when I ask them, how do you define tribe? They say, it's my safe place. Those are my people. And I'm really encouraging people to shift their mindset around that and say, okay, once you find those people, instead of staying there, which really puts you in a place where you're excluding others, use that safety Use those close relationships to be a springboard to help you be open to new relationships and thrive in the ones that you have. You know, let's not stay in those cliques or those groups that cause us to exclude other people. Let's be more open. And, you know, just going back to my childhood really quickly, that's one of the other lessons that I learned on that island because we'd have hundreds of people descend on the island during the summers. And my parents you know, they would just kind of throw our doors open. There was always some new stranger, you know, coming over for lunch. <laughs> and so I really learned the value. It doesn't really matter what you look like, what your background is like. We all breathe the same. We all bleed the same. And so if we can just be more open and then also leverage while leveraging that kind of security that we found in our relationships, that's, I think, where we start to change the world. So that, in a quick nutshell, is, is the formula. So that is your entire formula. I love it. And so now I'd like to hear about a chapter you have in your book about relationships. Will you share with me um, how you build those, why it's so important? Give us give us the download on the, the relationships chapter. I think it's going to be essential. So I, almost every chapter in some shape or form is about relationships. We talk about the four levels of relationships. We talk about the fear of engaging in relationships. And we also talk about what I call the dark side of relationships and some of the things that get in the way. You know, some of the top things that get in the way are our willingness to invest time. Um, another one that we touched on earlier is conversations. It is so easy to avoid conversations, especially if it's more of a friendship type relationship. 
And I've often found that if you can be open and honest up front and, and, and do that quickly, you're actually leaving the or opening the door for a healthier relationship. So I think people tend to struggle with those necessary conversations again. And um, just just a funny one for for the women, because this book is actually directed at women. You know, some of the things we struggle with are hormones, right? As we age, there are things that are, are even happening with us physiologically that sometimes impact how we show up with others. And so there are lots of, I think the message that I want your listeners to take away is that there are lots of things that innately will get in the way of our relationships because as human beings, we are complex. And that's actually one of the reasons why I like the word tribe. It is a very complex, complicated word. And like that word as human beings, we are very complex. And so there's a certain amount of grace that we have to give each other in order for us to be able to be healthy um, with our tribes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think grace is very important too, uh, forgiving folks that may not necessarily deserve it, but because it's the right thing to do to move the relationship forward. I think that's beautiful. So I'm super curious um, about this idea of um, the four conversations. I know it's the blog post you put out today, but you said one of them is uh, I see you. Uh, And so I got a little flashback to a common friend of ours. We have a common uh, friend uh, who is uh, Lenora Billings Harris. And so um, when I when I understand I see you, uh, I get Ubuntu in my mind immediately, her, her uh, signature word, name of her company. Um, so do you mind sharing with us? Because we're talking about these relationships, you got to have these necessary conversations. So why don't you just tell us what the blog post says? We'll go check it out too. <laughs> so there are four conversations that I think leaders and employees should be having at work. The first conversation I call the what makes you tick conversation. So often we bring employees into our organization, we're onboarding and sharing all of the information and processes and describing how, you know, I need you to work, but we don't necessarily take the time to sit down and say, hey, tell me what makes you tick, right? How do you like to be communicated with? I often have a conversation with my direct reports. What drives you crazy? Here are some of the things that drive me crazy. And so, you know, instead of spending six months figuring that all out, we can just figure it out up front and we're working together more effectively. The other two conversations, which most people will recognize is the development and the performance conversation. So in the blog, I'm talking about, you know, the employee's role in the development conversation and the leader's role. And then with the performance conversation with which most of us tend to hate, right? Who wants to have to sit down and talk about what I did or didn't do, maybe shifting our mindsets just a little bit to think about it as an opportunity to celebrate what we've accomplished. And if we've been having conversations all year long, it doesn't have to be a painful thing. It's just a continuation of a dialogue we've been having um, for a while. And then the last conversation, which I think is incredibly important, and and I've often found that as busy leaders, we're not necessarily creating the space, is the I see you conversation, right? It's what's happening in your life. Um, I once remember working with a leader and he was sitting on a panel and the question that was posed to him was, you know, how do you navigate kind of virtual relationships versus impersonal relationships? How do you make sure that those relationships stay healthy? And I loved his answer because it's instructive. He said, 
I have to remember to treat people who are operating virtually the same way that I would treat them if they were in my presence. If they were in my presence, I would pop over to their desk and say, hi, how are you? If they were in my presence, I would say, hey, let's go grab a cup of coffee. And he says, I can do a lot of those same things virtually. So it's just taking those moments wherever you find them to let people know that you care about who they are as a person, that you want to understand a little bit about their life, that you're making the time to bring people together in teams so that they can see each other. Um, you know, one of the things I used to do with my team is every time somebody had a birthday, even if it was 10, 15 minutes, we'd grab lunch together and just sit down and celebrate. And sometimes we would celebrate them and their families weren't even celebrating at home. So in those moments, I wanted everybody to know it's your day and I see you. So I see you will take many, many different forms, but I just encourage leaders and employees to be having those conversations on a very regular basis. Mm, that's fantastic. I'm so glad that we went there. All right. So I'm going to bring you back to the, the questions we've talked about. And one is, you know, um, certain leaders struggle and certain leaders just kind of get it. What do you think the difference is between those two leaders? I mean, uh, I don't know if this has happened to you, Leah, but I've worked for a bad boss and I've had an excellent boss. Um, so what, what do you kind of see as the thing they struggle with and the thing that they need to work on? I think in some ways they're they're one in this they're they're kind of the flip sides of each other, right? So the leaders that I find that that struggle, um, one of the big ones is confidence. You know, I have a program that I run for new women leaders called a Tribe Advantage, and almost every single woman is struggling in some way with what she describes as the imposter syndrome. Like, do I really belong here? Right. And so if you're leading people, but you're struggling with, do I even belong here? And are my people who are coming up behind me better than me? And will they respect me? Like if there's that whole dialogue that's going in your head, then that makes it very difficult for you to show up as the leader that you need to be. Now, on the flip side, one of the other things that I think um, can be a bit of a challenge is leaders who are not self-aware where they do have gaps. Right. And I think every leader, no matter who you are, you don't know everything. And that's kind of why my definition of leadership is what it is. I will never know everything that I need to be able to provide all of the guidance, which means I need to be a conduit. I'm, I'm channeling all of their collective greatness. And so therefore it's incumbent on me to bring my team together to achieve the results that my organization is looking for. So I think those are two of the things that get in the way. And equally, if you work on them, then that will help to strengthen your leadership. If you say, listen, how can I build my confidence? And how can I, what am I bringing to the table? Where, where do I need to grow and develop and really be honest with yourself? You know, sometimes it's just that voice in your head and sometimes it's a gap and you may need to walk away. It just depends. Absolutely. I agree with you. I do think there's it's kind of like they are uh, the flip card of each other, right? The opposite. I think you're exactly right. All right. So when you look out into the world, uh, COVID is lifting. Hallelujah. Don't forget Bermuda is open for business and Leah is open for business as well. Um, what do you what do you think the challenges are that lie ahead for leaders? And, the, and maybe the flip side of the other thing would be like what opportunities are just laying out there uh, for leaders to take advantage as we move into this new, new normal? So one of the things that comes up time and time again with the leaders that I'm working with is kind of just how do I navigate 
some of the stresses and the fears of coming back together. You know, am I, am I safe? And or the shifting from working from home and a more flexible environment to now coming back in the office. So how do we navigate some of that uncertainty? That's a huge, I think, challenge um, for leaders. And then I think a big one is also balancing the work with humanity. So I think COVID, whether we like it or not, it it has taken a huge mental toll or mental health toll on many, many people. And so leaders are having to navigate trying to get the work done while balancing the humanity of their people. And I think that really makes this current space um, very complicated um, for for leaders to, to manage through. And so I think it's really important that you're talking to your people regularly, you're having those ICU conversations, you know, you're clear on where the boundaries are in terms of what you can and can't do, because every little thing that you say or don't say says something, <laughs> you know? Oh, okay. and, you don't miss what she just said. She said, everything you do or do not say says something. Did you just say that? Did I get yes. it right? totally tweetable I've been saying there you go (laughs) yeah and so I love I love what you just said you know you've got to have these conversations and so it's like you do have to go over and read the blog post because uh hello we need to make sure that we're doing the empathy piece which is I see you um and then the performance the development and then what makes you tick you know, I think all of that is absolutely essential. All right. So so what 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 are some opportunities that that you see out there for leaders uh, coming down the pike? You know, what do you think is going to happen in terms of um, leadership development? You know, and how might your your tribe philosophy fit in with that? I think uh, I think you're really on to something with this idea of tribe. Um, that's such a broad question. I think the the organizations that are going to be successful are the ones that are responsive to what their employees value, you know? Um, and I think COVID has provided an interesting opportunity for people to rethink what is it that's important to me and what type of work-life integration that I want. So the successful organizations are going to be open to considering here's what our employees value. And I think in the context of um, tribe, you know, one of my philosophies are we are better together than we are on our own. So a tribe mindset says, I'm going to listen and be open because if that employee is actively disengaged because I'm not listening and considering, then that's actually going to impact my organizational results. So tribe is definitely a construct, but it's also in my mind about the way that we come together productively to get things done and to truly thrive. And um, those are some of the things that I think the leaders of this moment are having to think about in a whole new way. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So you said earlier that you work with women and that your book is directed towards women and you have this wonderful opportunity for them to come and um, work with you. Tell us a little bit about your program and and maybe just a few little nuggets from that that you might share, because I think we have a lot of lady listeners on this uh, Vibrant Leadership podcast. And so they would like to hear maybe something pointed right at them if you've got some ideas. So my program that I have is called the Tribe Advantage. And the reason why I call it the Tribe Advantage is because I believe that when we come together as 
not any human beings, but as women, we can achieve exceptional results and we can lead with more confidence. And so my program over the course of six months is looking to explore some of the things that we talked about earlier. The first three months is all about the individual. How do I show up? What's my, how does my mindset as a leader need to change? What's my brand? What's my leadership philosophy? Who are the people that I need to build around me in order to help me be successful? You know, the, which is that tribe piece. The, the first three months is really just a deep investment in you. And then the, the second, you know, three months, I, I say it's more tactical. We're talking about what I said earlier. You know, how do I make sure that I'm aligning the strategy um, of the organization with the strategy of my team, with the work that you do every day, how am I making sure that I'm investing and rewarding? And then last but not least, how am I navigating some of these conversations? So I do, we do that through what I call a masterclass. I have guest experts and we do group coaching as well. So it's a very comprehensive program really designed to help kind of give women the confidence that they need to show up as the leaders they feel called to be, but then also importantly do that while delivering and and enabling them to deliver better results for their organization. Mm, That's fantastic. You know, I, I, uh, one time I I was asked, you know, how do you develop confidence? And so I, as a coach myself, I'm like, you know, that is, we're talking about a broad question. That is a giant question. It's like, there's a hundred ways you could help somebody, but uh, I, I like you like dictionaries. I, I, you've got a little nerdy thing going on, Leah Dean. I know (laughs) I I do too. I got a little nerdy, nerdy thing going on. Like I love vocabulary words. Like when I was a kid, I would get my vocabulary list on Monday and boy, I would have that sucker memorized by Friday. I just love that. So anyways, I got the, I got the dictionary. I looked up the definition of confidence and it, you know, the first part is C-O-N, which is cone, which is, you know, um, the Latin for with, right. And then fidence means like uh, fidelity or loyalty. Um, and so I, when I would tell people, it's like, it's like, you just have to have loyalty to yourself. You know, you have to believe in yourself. And what I heard about your program is that you're going to allow people to figure out what's going on with them, work on their strategy, you know, connect all these dots. And then you, you're going to get with yourself. You're going to be able to be loyal to this plan that they put together. So I'm celebrating that. While building a tribe around you all at the same time. So I I think that there is no better combination than to learn all of that stuff. Because remember what I said, you know, confidence in some way is believing in yourself and belief is a habit of the mind in which you build confidence in, right? So it's all, it's all connected. How can I get to a place where I trust, I know who I want to be and I trust that I'm taking daily actions to get there. Mm, I love it. I love it. Um, and so you threw in this thing where like I'm building a tribe around me. Can How do you build a tribe around you? I know it's we've got a whole book about it, but um, what, what would you give our, our leaders uh, that are listening? Um, like maybe a couple of things like here, here's one thing you could start doing tomorrow to get your tribe around you, because there's a wonderful uh, TED talk by a guy named Derek. And I am, I can't remember his name right now, if you know this one, but he shows this video of this one guy who starts dancing at a concert. And then one by one, all these people start to come dance with the one lone dancing guy. And so he builds this dancing tribe around him and they're just all, you know, probably 
had a few cocktails or something, but anyway, they're all dancing out on this, this big lawn and it's awesome. Uh, but it, it is a lot about drawing people to you. How do you, how do you draw people to you? What, what would be your advice for that? Um, oh my gracious. There's so much advice on this in, in the book. Um, so I'm going to give you a couple of things really quickly and then a few more concrete examples. So, so one, when it comes to building tribes, there's different types of tribes. And, and I talk about um, that in, in, or group tribes rather in the book, you know, we have organic tribes and life stage and professional and resistant, like resistant tribes are people who come together because of shared adversity. And so a lot of times it's really thinking about what is it that I want to create for myself? What's going to add value to my life and what can I bring to it? And I want your listeners to kind of double click on the, what can I bring to it? Because so often when we think about, I want to build my tribe, it's kind of, well, what can I get? And actually, if you shift your mindset a little bit and say, well, what can I give as much as I can get? So I have this um, model in the book that I call the dare. And I encourage people, I dare you <laughs> to build your tribe. So one is you have to define what type of tribe you want, you know, and, and there's some support in, in the book to help them do that. And then the second step is what I call activation. So one of the biggest impediments to building our tribes and creating connection is um, investing the time, the energy and the emotion in terms of bringing people together. And so there's a lot of advice in there about how can I kind of redefine this concept of tribe. I'll never forget, I was writing the book and I was in, I think, Arizona talking to a taxi driver and about the book. He just started to ask me all kinds of questions. And he was like, my wife and I really, really want a tribe, but we can't seem to create these moments where folks are willing to come together because everyone's so busy. And so we talked about maybe how he could redefine what those moments look like. He was trying to do like afternoon cookouts. And I was like, well, could you do maybe a quick kind of check in or drink at a restaurant instead of a, if that's not what's working? Because so sometimes we just have to be realistic about how much capacity people have. So the activation is really about who's going to be the one that puts in the work to make sure that we stay together. You know, it could be a one-on-one -on -one relationship. It could be a larger group because that's actually one of the interesting things that I learned about tribe. Most of us tend to think of them as larger groups, but a tribe is a group and a group is two or more. So any person like two of us, we're, we're we can be a tribe. You and I right now, we're a tribe because I know we connect on a number of things, right? We have similar interests and values. And so we, we are a tribe. And so who's going to keep us together? And so one of the things that I'm very intentional about doing now, if I want to stay connected with somebody is before I get off the phone, I schedule the next meeting because I know myself, if I do not do that, it will not happen. My life is too full. Right. So who's going to activate? And then there's actually, you know, once you define it and you decide on how much investment you, you have to put in it, then you have to reach out. And that's often the scary part. You know, I have a whole section of the book on, on different ideas and ways to reach out. But, you know, we're all afraid of rejection. And I just encourage your listeners who are who actually physically feel fear. I talked to a psychologist in the book about the psychology of fear is often it's like, well, what if they reject me? But what if, and my question would be, what, what if they don't, 
right? The, the upside of a healthy relationship is worth, I think, taking the risk. And if it doesn't work out, that just means that person is not the right fit. It doesn't mean that you're not worthy of relationship. Um, and then the last step in terms of just creating these healthy tribes in the dare is to examine the motivations. You know, I have a, I have a group of women, we've been friends for over 20 years and we never really talked about, hey, why are we here? We kind of just, well, actually, no. Initially, we were supposed to read books. Read, it was a book club. We never, <laughs> ever, we never, ever read a book. Um, and so after a while, the reason why we were together became a little bit muddy. And sometimes when people are not clear on why you're together, that's the thing that creates the friction because one person wants to, you know, go hang out. The other one wants support to navigate through complex issues that they're having in their personal or professional life. Um, and so not really understanding what's important to people and taking the time to have those conversations can really break down relationships. So that's kind of a very quick summary, but I just encourage people to take the dare and remember that there are different types of tribes. There's different levels of relationship. There's different places that you can go to find them. But the one thing that is clear about building tribes is that we all have to put in the work. And I always say that anything worth having takes a little bit work and little bit of work in our relationships are no different. Mm, absolutely beautiful. I'm so glad we went down that 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 road and, and talked about tribes and how to build them. That was absolutely genius. And I love the dare. Okay, so it's in the book. You got to buy the book. All right. So here's my last question for you. My question is, um, let's say you were mentoring one single special listener. This is the person that they, you know, they, they want just the final tip, the final thing. What can I work on, Leah, that would help me be the best leader I could be? What, what, what advice would you give them? <laughs> this is the number one principle in my program. You won't always feel or be qualified. Here's the principle. Never confuse your value with your growth. Failure and discomfort are simply necessary steps that lead us closer to who we are destined to become. Never confuse your value with your growth. Mm, never confuse your value with your growth. Well, I know that somehow dovetails with the fact that, don't miss this, four times today, Leah Dean has held up her fingers and done like this and said, you got to work on rewiring this shifting of this mindset, okay? So here's what I'm thinking. This book is full of little mind sh shift shifts that we need to get in place, right? Uh, but that last one is absolute genius. So Leah, if we want to come to your program, we want to read your book, we want to get on the blog, how, tell us how to get up with you how do we do that so there's so many ways that you can connect with me um first let's get connected on social i'm everywhere but most active on linkedin and instagram so my handles are the same across all social media which is at leah jm dean at leah jm dean the j stands for julie that's my mom's name and the m is michelle so just so you know leah jm dean those are my social handles i love it you can also visit my website, which is www.leahjmdean.com. Um, I have a full page for the book. On the book, you can download um, some chapters for free. You can take my free tribe health assessment. 
And then on the work with me page where you can learn a little bit more information about the Tribe Advantage, I also have a leadership quiz. So if you're thinking about how am I doing with this whole leadership thing, um, there's a little quiz on there that you can take to help you think about your leadership journey and where you might be able to make some shifts and changes and perhaps how I can help you. Oh, that's fantastic. So don't miss that. He's giving away a lot of goodies. There's a lot of goodies on the website, so you have to go there. So absolutely fantastic. Leah, thank you so much for being on the Vibrant Leadership Podcast. Let's do this again very soon. I cannot wait. I'm sure we we could find lots of things to talk about. So I can't wait till next time. <laughs> Me too. And I want to come to the meeting where there's a book club, but no books and just talk. That's I want to do that too. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Nicole. Ready to up your leadership game? Bring Nicole Greer to speak to your leadership team, conference, or organization to help them with her unique SHINE method to increase clarity, accountability, energy, and results. Email speaking at vibrantcoaching.com. And be sure to check out Nicole's TEDx talk at vibrantcoaching.com slash TED talk.